Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Dan Bennett. I help entrepreneurs learn how to look and sound great on camera. I thought a long time about that sentence. As simple as it sounds, it's been crafted over the last two years. So the collective you look and sound great on camera is like, oh, you'll help me like with the camera and the light and the mic and the framing and like your beautiful background, you know, like setting stuff up and making it look really nice. And I'm like, yes, and we can do that in a weekend. My side of look and sound great is repetition, pre-production, production, post-production, distribution, presenting well, not just making a video for video's sake, but making a video that actually has an impact on other people. So that sentence is kind of a two-way street, yeah. Hi there, and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name's Bob Gentle, and every week I speak with incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing, and monetizing their expertise, intentionally growing a unique personal brand and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then take a second while you still have your device in your hand and hit subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode. And if you're a regular listener, then consider sharing this show with just one person. It's the very best way you can help the show grow and help me reach more people. So anyone who knows me knows that I've really struggled with building my own platform and accepting the need to grow my visibility. I'm a naturally shy person and I avoided it for the longest time. Then I launched the podcast and gradually, whilst traversing the seven circles of hell, found my confidence on video. But it could have been so much easier. So this week, I am thrilled to welcome your guide and mine to being comfortable with those seven circles of hell. The guy who could have made that journey 100 times easier. Dan Bennett from The Antipreneur, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, fellow introvert, and I've been doing this a long, long time, and I still have days where hit and record is not the easiest thing to do. So I appreciate <laughs> that insight because the struggle is real. Yeah. So we met through Pat Flynn's community, and I have been following your work for quite a while. I am the subscriber, and I've really got a lot of value out of your content. But for the listener who hasn't really been following you for whatever reason, could you maybe just start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Yeah. Um, so short little uh, background. I used to be in a touring rock band, and I didn't know the word entrepreneur at the time, but really what I was doing was cutting my teeth because that, that group was kind of a small business that I had to run. So I did our web development and design work and printed merch and kept the whole boat floating as far as income. The last thing we ever did was, I'm going to date myself here, make a, a CD-DVD combo because I wanted Ooh. to go out of that arena, leaving something behind that was quality. So we started doing behind the scenes stuff while we were in the studio and then made a proper music video. And that was kind of the last part of that project. And I kind of fell in love with the power of video and what it could do to convey a story. I'd been designing and helping other people tell their stories for a while, but I'd never done it through video. And so that's kind of the beginning of that journey for me started out uh, like a lot of videographers do, trying to go for those big jobs, big companies, flying all over, working for companies like Harley Davidson and Bud Light and all these cool people. And it was exciting. And I got some great stories and met some really cool people. But I would come back to my home city of Flint, Michigan, and feel a little unfulfilled and think, how can I help people here? How do I bridge that gap? And the current brand is Video for Entrepreneurs, and it was born through trying to bridge that gap. And it began pre-pandemic 
with actually getting with someone, drop shipping the gear to their home office or brick and mortar office through Amazon, showing up, helping them set it all up and then doing some test runs and getting them comfortable. And then we would do some test footage. I would edit it. I call putting it little hot sauce on it just to spice it up a little and give it back. And it would show them the possibility of what they could accomplish through video. And then I would support it as it went. If they needed editing or different things created over time, I would. If they tackled editing on their own, I let them. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the beginning of it all. Pandemic hits and I'm like, I got to figure out how to do this when someone lives really, really far away. (laughs) So I had been on Zoom for a few years at the time. And as the pandemic hit and a lot of professionals were like, uh, I need help looking and sounding good on camera. I was like, welcome. I've been here for years. Come join (laughs) me. Join me on the screen. And that's kind of where all my current work was born from. So listening to that, there's a few places I could go. I think Flint, Michigan is one of those places where in the US where people often talk about there being a lack of opportunity. Yes. And I think a lot of people listening when they're in remote areas and people listen from all over the world, not everybody lives in a metropolis where there's a world of opportunity. They will identify with that and think, yeah, I, and a lot of people use it as an excuse. And what I love about your story is with the pandemic, and I think a lot of people will relate to this, there have been winners and there have been losers. Yes. And the winners tend to be those people who have managed to overcome geography. Things like, I was speaking to somebody this morning and we were talking about how the way that I do business now has become normal. Whereas pre-pandemic, it wasn't normal. For me to persuade somebody that we could do something through a Zoom call was a bit weird. Yeah. Whereas now it's kind of mainstream. When I hear business owners talking about how their business has grown through the pandemic, on the one hand, you could think, ooh, that's, that's a new business. How legitimate and credible are they, the pandemic? The pandemic is like three years now. Yeah. Three years in any business, that's business success. You've been, you are fully established now. Most businesses go to business in a year, year and a half. So to get any business to three years, you, you're way past the danger points. So it's legitimately established now. This isn't just a flash in the pan. You mentioned right at the beginning you were an introvert. I'm an introvert. I think lots of people can relate to, especially if you're a shy introvert, which I am. Not all introverts are the same, I guess. Correct. But a lot of people avoid video because there are lots of other things that seem to be more urgent. Video is one of those things that's potentially very important, but it's never urgent enough to get done. And when I hear stories like yours, you prioritize the importance because there were probably lots of other things you could have been doing. But this is about investing in tomorrow's Dan Bennett. Yeah. And I think so few people appreciate the transformative potential of video. And that's essentially what you described to me is the Dan Bennett of today is not the Dan Bennett of three years ago in Flint. What did that journey look like for you? What has that transformation actually been? What is showing up done for you? Yeah. So I want to preface this by saying uh, something similar to what you've said already, which is everyone is different. You know, I said earlier that I fronted a rock band and we toured. Doesn't sound like something an introvert would do, but I had the safety of my stage. And it's the same thing speaking at conferences and educating um, across the United States too. So there are varying levels of everything, right? So when I talk about video, my journey is, you know, partially unique and then partially things that I help other people with all the time. For me, I still don't know where this came from, except that my audience was small and I couldn't just blast something out and get data. So if I did something, it had to be substantial so I could actually get data. So in 2019, January 1, I decided to make 200 
videos in a row, 200 days in a row. And they were very, very simplistic. I had a single setup. It really didn't move from where it was. I would just get in front of the camera, hit record, say something, stop. I really tried to keep it simple so I could get through it. And as it developed and I got a little more comfortable, you know, I would do something like tactical Tuesday and I'd give a tip that had something to do with like how to run a camera or something a little bit more technical and why Wednesday I would just ask simple questions and answer them and pose the question to the audience, that sort of thing. And somewhere around day 60, the glass and metal and electronics and plastic of the camera in front of me became a person. It, it, it transformed in my mind, it clicked that like, oh man, one person might get help from this little 60 second thing I'm creating. That's important to me. And that's when everything kind of shifted for me. Again, you know, I don't wake up and think like, oh, I'm going to be on camera all day. This is amazing. But I do feel like, man, I can help some people. And if this is the instrument, let's do it. So you can build not only, um, you know, your, your presentation style and strength through repetition. You also can find some sort of harmony. You can, you can make some sort of deal with the camera. Like, all right, listen, I'll show up. <laughs> you do your job. I'll do mine, but I'm going to shut you off as soon as we're done. And everyone I've helped, I've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs now in some form of, you know, looking and sounding great on camera and becoming comfortable. They all have their own journey, but there's generally some point in there. That's like one of the few things I can promise somewhere in there, there'll be a day where you're like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. And then from there on out, we take the training wheels off and you're not falling off your bike every time. So that's what I'm aiming for. So I remember when video became vaguely natural for me. I'm not intimidated or scared or frustrated by it anymore, but it did take a little bit of work. And we can talk about what that work looks like in a little while. But before we maybe go into what being in the gym looks like, it's worth painting the picture of why. What's the payoff? Where's the ROI? Because I, yeah. I was speaking to a potential client this morning, very competent, very confident. And I know that if they were to reach out of their little geographic catchment area, they would have a completely different world of opportunity. But there's a lot of fear that has nothing to do with competence or confidence. It's yeah. something different. So one, let's actually look at this fear. What is it? And then number two, what's on the other side of this? What is, what is the payoff? Yeah, this is some of my favorite stuff to talk about. So I'm excited for this. I got this little analogy I like to share that maybe could anchor this, this little section of what we're talking about. I envision this and hopefully this comes through an audio. I'm trying to hone this story and make it better all the time. I kind of picture myself in a room and then there's a doorway to another room right in front of me and the light is dim in that room over there. And on the shadow on the back wall of that room where I can only see through the doorway is a big old scary monster shadow. Yeah, there's just this hulking figure. And it's like, oh man, there's video. Like, I don't even want to go in that room. And essentially over time, I had helped so many other companies look and sound great. I had told so many stories for just these juggernaut companies that did not need my help, but for some reason hired me to tell one small part of their overall story. And I wanted to help not only, you know, smaller companies, but myself, I'm like, I got to go fight this monster. Like, there's just no way around it anymore. And when I finally, you know, crept up to the doorway and looked in, I found that yes, there's a monster. I'll never deny that this is uncomfortable to do, but he was kind of small and he was just really close to a light source that made that shadow on the wall look really big. And once I saw what I was actually dealing with, I'm like, all right, this might be a scrappy little fight we're going to have here, but like, I think I can take this 
you know, little monster. I think I can do it. And then eventually, you know, you find a way to cage it, throw it in the closet, maybe kill it all together if you happen to end up thriving and shining on camera. But I like to remind people, I never say just get over it. I never say just make 100 videos, you'll be fine. In my personal opinion, bad advice. What I do say is just just come peek at the monster with me and we'll look at it together. And then you let me know how you're feeling. And so one of the things I have inside my membership community is called the Video Sandbox. And like it's just to get reps in, stretch your wings, and get loving critique and feedback from peers and professionals in an environment where you're not throwing yourself to the wolves. And that came from just looking at that monster with a lot of entrepreneurs over time and listening to what they were most kind of scared of. So I love this topic because I think about this all the time because I'm never going to say, I'll just get over it. It's going to be what tools can we put into place so you can eventually feel comfortable. So, yeah. I guess video is always going to be video. It's not going to change. It's, it's always going to be scary unless you begin the process of desensitizing and normalizing it. Yep. There's always going to be something beyond it that remains scary, like maybe being on actual TV. That could continue yeah. to be scary. Yeah. Maybe having a, an external film crew around it, that could be scary. But normalizing and desensitizing yourself to the basics, that's, I guess, that was for me where it began because there is no way around it. You have to walk through yeah. that patch of nettles <laughs> before it's going to be worth doing. Yeah, I call it my wince face. There's always a moment in my work, even if it's just a discovery call and we're not working together yet, where I kind of scrunch up my face and I'm like, the only part I can't do for you is get the reps in to, yeah. to cause that desensit, yeah, whatever that word is, <laughs> to, to help them desensitize themselves to yeah. it. And, and it's, you know, like you said, the journey is different for everyone. And, you know, that's the one part where no matter how much you pay me, I can't, <laughs> I can't do the reps for you. So I love that you said before you go to the gym. Yeah. The other, I guess it goes with the gym analogy, time. You have to give it time. Yeah. It's not something you can just walk in and fix. It's not something you can buy and fix. It just takes time and reps and yeah, that desensitization is the natural consequence of that. It will come. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's funny because my one sentence, anytime I'm somewhere, someone's like, what do you do? And I say, I, I help entrepreneurs learn how to look and sound great on camera. It's, I thought a long time about that sentence. As simple as it sounds, it's been crafted over the last two years. And I really view it as like this kind of two-edged sword. So I could f like fill my soul, but also meet someone where they're at. So the collective you looking sound great on camera is like, oh, you'll help me like with the camera and the light and the mic and the framing and like your beautiful background, you know, like setting stuff up and making it look really nice. And I'm like, yes. And we can do that in a weekend. My side of looking sound great is repetition, pre-production, production, post-production, post distribution, presenting well, not just making a video for video's sake, but making a video that actually has an impact on other people. So that, that sentence is kind of a, a two-way street. Yeah. Yeah. I think another side of it is, in my head, I'm Brad Pitt when he was 25. Fact. But when I record something and put it on a video, that's not Brad Pitt when he was 25. I'm sorry. And that, I think, for a lot of people is a problem. This whole thing of comparison and identity and accepting what other people see is fundamentally important. Because if you can't get over yourself and present what's real, you're always going to struggle. For me, that was a big part of it as well, is accepting what I see in the mirror. Not only accepting it, actually coming to like it. Yeah. And then alongside that, this whole thing of most people hate the sound of their own voice until you have heard it a lot. 
How do you help people pass, pass those two things? So when I give workshops and stuff, I always ask people in a little poll, what do you think the biggest objection to video is? And it's based on the last 15 years of my work, you know, everything from fortune 50 CEOs crumbling in front of the camera in front of me to solopreneurs who have never, you know, shot any video at all. And it's kind of rare that people guess sound of your own voice, but it is far, far ahead of all other complaints over the last, like I said, 15 years of my research. And so one of the first things I like to do is like, keep it real with people. I'm not one to like kid glove things or like, you know, mess about. It's like, well, I have a big heart and an open mind, but I'm also going to keep it real with you. And in my world, I call it the smack kiss. So it's like, hit you on the cheek, but kiss you real quick. So you're like, well, I guess I needed that. And you made it all better. So like, okay. And I like to, to break the thinking as quick as possible. So I actually have articles that I share with my students and sometimes clients if we're working on presentation that show the scientific research behind why we actually hate our own voices because it's a phenomenon. It, we all have it, right? So you might look in a camera, shoot a video, see your face mirrored to you, and you've seen a mirror before. So you might not love what you see, but like you're kind of used to it because you've looked in a mirror before. You hear your voice back and it's like, wait, what, huh? That's what other people are hearing? Like, what's going on? And of course, the science behind it is we're hearing the resonant feedback of our own heads when we hear ourselves speak. And it comes right back to desensitizing and repetition. You don't hear your own voice because why would you? Unless you left a voicemail for someone a couple years ago and heard it and you're like, oh, but it's another one of those things that I promise you as you hear it more, like you said, not only can you become used to it and okay with it, you can actually grow to like it. And oddly enough now, not that I've ever like super disliked my voice, but like now people comment on it. They, they say that, the way that I teach and speak kind of is soothing and it makes them not so anxious about video. And now it's like this really cool tool I get to use all the time. And so it becomes this beautiful instrument instead of like, oh, that's what I sound like. So yeah, it's usually through breaking down the thinking, realizing that we all have it. And then again, right back to the gym. I remember when I started the podcast, hearing my own voice, it was enough to make me really verge on a nervous breakdown. I think that's not what I sound like. And the existential problems that come with that. Yeah. Unbelievable. And as soon as I started the podcast, people started, like you said, to comment on how they actually enjoyed the voice now. Really? I got to 40 something without anybody ever commenting <laughs> that my voice might be an asset. Yeah, it's so funny because when we hopped on pre-recording, I'm like, oh, you got a cool voice. It, it, we, we never know what people are out there thinking, right? And it's it's such a cool thing to get to a point to where you're like, all right, yeah, this is this is not so bad. So one other area I wanted to go was, like I mentioned before, the trade-off. What's it for? What's the benefit? Why do we put ourselves through this? I have lots of ideas around this, but people come to you for specific reasons maybe because they've seen somebody else experiencing some kind of benefit or transformation when they've embraced video or I don't know. Why, why do people decide they're going to go on this difficult journey? Well, there's, like you said, there's a variety of reasons. Um, I like to share my own story. And in my story, it was, you know, I got this big audacious goal of helping 10,000 entrepreneurs look and sound good on camera, whether that's clients, members, or just someone who watched, you know, the, the YouTube videos or whatever. And I'm like, well, the only way to do that is to help a whole bunch of other people do what they're trying to do. So let's focus on that. 
And that's where the transition be between like working for big corporations and entrepreneurs, small businesses and startups really started to show its fruit for me. I'm like, oh, I can help more people. And what's cool is I say this at least three or four times a day on calls and stuff like entrepreneurs and professionals are already awesome. I don't have to show up and like rewrite their lives. I just have to capture the essence of what that's like. And sometimes it's as simple as, hey, when you go have a coffee meeting with someone and you're on, we just need a B minus. We just need to capture like 80% of what that's like. And if we can do that, people can start to know, like, and trust you. They can start to see you as an authority in your field just because you're on this little screen. It's super powerful. And then when they meet you in real life, whether it's a Zoom call or for coffee or whatever, and you hold up to what they've been envisioning, it locks that all in and it's kind of magical. So I got this uh, another little analogy that um, I'll see if I can pull off quickly here. I had this little micro dream when I hit the snooze bar about a year ago and I saw these four cars in a parking lot and it was like an apartment complex. So they're all backed up to the sidewalk behind them. And there's like an indie car, there's a muscle car, there's a supercar, and they're all perfectly tuned and they all have professional drivers in them that know how to drive that specific car. The engines are running and they're all sitting there and I love cars anyway. So I'm like, wow, these, these are really, really cool. And then I noticed that each one of the cars whatever drivetrain wheel they have, it's on a little patch of ice and it's just spinning. So no one's going anywhere. We have these incredible cars, these incredible drivers, and I just got a big fat crowbar <laughs> and I just go behind them and push them a little and they get traction and go. And I'm not there to build their car. I'm not there to make them awesome. I'm there to help them get traction with what they already do that's awesome. And I just go down the row and get cars unstuck. So that's kind of how I view my work is like, entrepreneurs and professionals are already awesome. I'm just helping them capture it. Um, Video is the vehicle that's gonna take their story where it needs to go because they have their story inside of them already. And it makes it fun because I don't have to write a script. I don't have to tell you if you work with me, you'll 10X your business or make any wild promises. I just say, you're already awesome and we can capture that and get it out in front of the right people. That I can guarantee. I love that story, especially that it came from a dream. One thing that I find again and again and again is amazing people with amazing skills and talent stuck in a small geographic catchment area. And because they're stuck in that small geographic catchment area, there isn't enough demand for them to really hone in on their zone of genius and just do the things that they're best at. And I think they end up because of that being generalist and being, having to do everything that people come to them with. Whereas if they manage to overcome themselves, lean into showing up in other people's lives on video and build relationships at scale, albeit these relationships are going in one direction. You don't know who these people are, but if you show up enough, post your videos on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, wherever, people are going to see them. Those platforms will go find an audience for the people who connect with that stuff. And you'll find that over time, they come back to you and they give you a hand out of that geographic catchment area. And suddenly you're released into being able to do the thing that you're best for, for the people who love you. For me, that's amazing. That's so good. That's so good. The other thing too, is to just kind of piggyback on that. I've found as I go, as I've tightened up my brand so people can understand what I do, as I've uh, built beautiful relationships with, you know, people I call peers that are doing something similar in the digital entrepreneurial world. And they're much more successful than me. And they're helping me and I get to, you know, have these conversations and stuff. As that growth happens, then people come out of the woodwork and they're like, I've been watching your stuff for a year. I've been on your newsletter for six months, you know, and you're like, yeah, 
you got to remember that just because someone might be lurking doesn't mean they're not supporting you. Maybe they're not resharing your stuff when they see it, or they're not sitting somewhere rooting for you and having a better life themselves because your work helps them. And I think one of the things that, you know, I accepted early on that really helped me was that I don't need to know that everyone is watching. I, I just need to trust in my work and then the fruit will grow in front of me and I can pick it when it's ripe. But I, I love that that thought of you never know. So like if you're doing something important, it's almost like it's your responsibility to get it out to the world. I think another thing you kind of touched on there was as content creators, and we're very aware of the stats, the likes, the shares, the subscribers yeah. and all the rest of it. Yes, KPIs matter. As, as somebody whose business is making that stuff for people, I want to know that stuff is working. And these are the things we can measure. And I think a lot of people, when they're coming new to video, they're intimidated by, on the face of it, superficially terrible results. Yeah. One thing I found very early on was almost in every case, the people who actually responded to that video discreetly, invisibly to my audience, because they didn't comment, like share or anything, but they would message me and say, I like that video. I would like to work with you. Or it really helped me. It's the one person. It's not the hundreds of the thousands that will change your life and change your business. Yeah. And that's yeah. really important to, for people to understand when they come new to video. Yeah. And that's that. That's a beautiful sentiment. Like that's that keeping it real thing I'm always trying to do. Keeping it real always isn't just blunt. You know, sometimes it's just discovery and sharing that discovery with someone else. So when I'm doing, speaking of discovery, when I'm doing a discovery call, I'm constantly trying to disqualify everyone I might work with. And it's only if the relationship and the questioning and answering overcomes those disqualifications that I work with someone because I really want it to be a good fit. And truly it's for their benefit. I want them to feel good about what we're doing and have all their expectations in order and all those things. And while that happens, um, you know, you, you find out things over time. So one of the questions I do during discovery calls is what does viral mean to you when you think of a viral video or if your business had a viral video, what does that mean to you? So we can set those expectations. Now, I have videos in my catalog that have gotten millions of views, and I don't talk about it a lot, but I have shared it with people here and there. And then I've watched them like, oh, I know Dan, he's got this video over here. It's got 2 million views. And I'm like, that's why I don't tell people this stuff, because that doesn't bring me any dollars <laughs> at all. So when you know I get some form of viral, I get four or five different versions, usually from someone. I said, okay, I'm going to share my version of viral with you. And if it makes sense to you and you think it's a good fit for your business, we'll go to the next question. If not, we can stop here, save each other time, and I wish you luck on your journey. And my version of viral is whatever you got going on, we work together and we create something that outperforms your baseline. So if you're normally getting 20 views a video, now we're getting 40. That means one of two things is happening. Either the algorithm is showing it to people who actually want to see it, or humans are sharing it because they enjoyed it. And if we can continually go viral in my world, that means we're always trying and succeeding at outperforming our baseline. And what is that? That's growth. <laughs> so audience growth, revenue growth, they go hand in hand. So it's not about you know a video getting a million views. It's about this video popped off and got a thousand when I normally get a hundred. Ooh, that resonated with people. Let's yeah. go in that direction more. So I'm hoping that you, the listener, you found a little bit of motivation about why you should do video now. So let's segue into the how-to a little bit. Looking great on camera, sounding great on camera. We can't do too much of that on the podcast. But what are the things I guess people should avoid? 
without necessarily going too deep into the tech or the, the gear. Yeah, yeah. So one of my favorite things to do when I do workshops and all these fun things where there's visuals and stuff is tell people the story that I was really struggling early on with what's the difference between film and video? What's the difference between a movie and a promotional video for your business? And where I ended up landing, and this is just my own opinion, is that film is great because of dialogue. No matter how many explosions, car chases, special effects you have, it always comes down to two people talking. And if that's written well and acted well, I'm in the story. I'm rooting for or against someone if that great dialogue happens. So I thought, okay, video, well, a lot of times that's monologue, single voice, single you know, face, even maybe on a podcast with an interviewer, interviewee, it's still the focus is on the guest a lot of times. So it comes down to kind of a monologue. And I'm like, all right, so monologues are not always that interesting unless you're like a stand-up comedian or something. So what can we focus on that becomes the most important part about video? It's dialogue for film and eliminating distractions is what I came up with over time for video. So my goal is always to eliminate things that would take attention away from your face, your words, your screen, whatever it is that you're sharing. And that comes in many forms. And a lot of times it's very simple, moving things, getting your laptop up on a couple books so the lens is you know, at eye level, maybe making a light a little further away so you're not so bright and it's not distract. It's all about eliminating distractions. Uh, spending a little bit on a decent mic so you don't sound terrible. Now I can really hone in on your voice and I'm there with you because I, I, I got good audio now. All these different things can be accomplished either for no or low dollars. And that's generally where I start with people is how do we eliminate distractions? And, you know, it can even be the background. I love your background. It's soft. Uh, nothing pulls, you know, me in to try and figure out what it is. It feels like I'm in a room with you. There's a glow behind you that just feels welcoming. All those things are actually eliminating distraction because I feel like you've invited me maybe to your home or your office and I'm sitting across the desk from you. That's a beautiful thing. So that's generally where I start. That's a really good way to sum it up because it's not about the gear. I'm embarrassed by how many different cameras and things that I've bought that would have done the job but it was always something that could have done a little bit better. And these things were essentially just excuses for not starting mm. the process of making video. But I don't want to go back to the mindset stuff because honestly, I could talk about that literally yeah. for a week and never run out because my head is a mess most of the time. We've decided now we're going to make a video. The blank page is a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. It's not a problem for me. I love a blank page, but I know I'm unusual in that. So how can you help somebody move from a blank page to a page of ideas and then take action on those ideas? What does that process look like with you? Yeah. First thing I'll say in a, in a fun way, when you mentioned that a blank page is not a problem for you off recording, I got slightly jealous. I'm like, oh, that must be so cool <laughs> to look at a blank page as inspiration instead of daunting. Because, yeah, like you said, that, that is kind of the minority, at least for people who don't write. There's a lot of like, oh, man, what do I do now? So um, a lot of, you know, the kind of approach is just not to have a blank page. Uh, you know, so a lot of the lead magnets I give out for free and little script tools and these different things isn't to tell people what to do. It's to give you some place to start. And I use them all myself still every week. So it's not like I built this for you. You should use it. I'm smart. It's like I did this for me and I'm sharing it with you because it worked for me. You know, the sentiment of like, there's nothing new under the sun, steal like an artist, all these things is true in video. Like if someone's written a great outline why reinvent the wheel? 
take what they've done and just think about how your own story, your own version, your own product or service, or your own about me video can fill in the words of that framework. So one of the things I have is just like a, a YouTube script. It could be used for any kind of video. And it's just like prompts, you know, let's have a quick intro. Let's tell them what's coming. Let's have, you know, one, two, three, four points throughout somewhere in the middle. Let's break the monotony of what's going on to keep people's attention. Let's make sure that call to action isn't just hit subscribe, but it's like, I got another video. If you like this one, and if you want to go down the rabbit hole of what I know, here's the next video. And let's create this kind of experience for people. I look at all uh, social and and content this way, but especially on YouTube, I want to be a channel. It's called a channel, right? Like I want to be a channel. I want to be a place where you come and binge three videos because they were helpful and they were all on similar topics. So I think that way quite a bit of just anything I can create to help people not have a blank page. I think it's a really powerful thing. And then you can just look at my prompts, throw them out the window but maybe have gotten an idea while you were looking at them to make your own script or your own outline. So I think those things are important. I think listening to you there, I was reminded one of my problems right at the beginning was I felt that every single piece of content that I created had to define and be like the yeah. universal guide to whatever I was talking about. And that was a huge problem for me. Being able to just focus on one idea was really liberating. I, can I jam on that for a minute? Please. This is super, super exciting. Uh, so I started working with a messaging and marketing mentor about six months ago, all leading to kind of where I am today, which is about four days out from my first cohort ever. So getting everything tight, right, making sure everything makes sense. And one of the things he said early on is like, you need a unique mechanism. Like there's things that you do in your one-to-one -one work that just naturally happen in the conversation and we need to package it so people on the internet know it exists. And so through just interviewing and me telling him how I operate and how I do things, I had this kind of metaphor I've been using a long time. And he's like, that's it, man. Let's, let's develop that into an actual framework people can put their hands on. So I just call it my solar system methodology. And at the center of our solar system is the sun. And the sun is your big idea. It's your North Star. It doesn't mean you have to make content on it, but it's the thing that always guides you. You never deviate from it. So I don't make videos called how to help entrepreneurs look and sound great on camera, but that is my son. Everything I create never deviates from that North star. And then around that sun are planets. And for me, that's the little bit more in-depth content. This is different for everyone, but for me, it's that eight to 12 minute video. I go deeper than other creators go on that topic. I really try and make it transformative and get as much as I can in there and make it actionable as well. And if you're just starting out and you don't have a large audience, I say don't go above three planets. Some people call these themes or buckets. And so I have three planets around my big idea of help entrepreneurs look and sound great on camera. And that is strategy, which I think there's a huge lack of for entrepreneurs. If you want to do YouTube, if you want to be a Twitch streamer, there's all kinds of strategy out there for you. Even TikTok. If you're an entrepreneur and want to make video, I'm trying to build, you know, a sense of strategy for entrepreneurs because no one's out there helping them. They got to go down rabbit holes. You mentioned it, actually. You're absolutely right. In terms of strategy for entrepreneurs, there's actually very, very little. I was just doing a quick library audit of all the people I know who talk about video. And like you said, they're all focusing on slightly different lenses. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's easy if you're a video production company owner or a YouTuber to find help. <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, you got to dig through all that help and pull out just the small pieces that pertain to you, which is a thing that drives me to do what I do. So there's a strategy planet. The next planet is presentation. 
It's, you know, fun videos, like five ways to become more confident on camera without spending a dime. And me just sharing my knowledge and wisdom and things I do myself to try and help out there. So we have, yeah, we have strategy, we have presentation, and then storytelling is my third planet. And I think there's there's a little bit of buzz around the word story and storytelling, but there's not really a lot of like concrete information of cool. Give me a framework, give me a version, give me a story prompt that I can like compare to my own life and make up my own story. So those are my three planets. And then around each planet are the moons. And I call the moons punchy content. In my world, that's three to five minute videos where I'm in, I'm out, it's actionable. Boom, there you go. We've wasted no one's time. If you wanted to know five ways to shoot video better on a smartphone, boom, there it is. You got it. And you got it in a short amount of time. And then there's satellites just kind of floating around the solar system. And that's that awareness content or uh, short form content. I don't do a ton myself, but I have a lot of clients who do. So your TikToks, your YouTube shorts, your Instagram reels. I like with the people I work with, this isn't for everyone, but the people I work with, I like to make that awareness content. We're not trying to drive sales. We're not trying to make anyone do anything. We just want them to know you're awesome. So we got those satellites kind of floating around. And then the last little component is meteors flying by, feeling that gravitational pull. And if you do a good job, that meteor flies by a couple times. And on the third time, it's pulled in by the gravity around one of the moons and then to one of the planets. And you've connected all these things because strategy matters. And they've watched three videos and then that deeper dive and they understand your big idea now. Now it's not so far-fetched that they might jump on your newsletter or do a call with you or want to know more. And so putting all this in a framework, which I would love to share with your audience through a simple link, if that's okay, to just this kind of like high-level methodology gets people to think like, oh man, what I'm making matters. What I make next really matters. And how those things connect to each other to make that trajectory into your solar system seamless is one of the most powerful things in the world. And if you do it right, not that there's one way to do it, but if you do it right, every once in a while, someone will find you, watch three or four of those punchy pieces of content, watch the longer form content because it's at the top of a playlist and then book a call with you in a day. So it's not everyone. It's not going to happen all the time like magic, but Mm. I've had it happen where people are like, I just found you yesterday. And after going through these videos, I'm like, I just want to work with you directly and let's like fix this quick. Yeah. It's, it's kind of incredible. So I think strategy is um, a huge, huge part of not only business, but content development as well. I think that was the perfect place to go based on where the conversation was. I think the problem that I had in the beginning was I didn't have that framework. And something someone said to me fairly recently was frameworks foster freedom. Ooh. They give you freedom in terms of content creation, like we just described here. But frameworks have become something that I work with every client to help them put some kind of framework into their online ecosystem, into their how they provide value to their clients, the journey that they take them on, in order that everything subsequently becomes easier. Your productization becomes easier. Your content becomes easier. You no longer have to think about all these other things that you used to think about because now you're delivering a structured framework approach to your business. As another friend of mine said, don't sell the product, sell the process. Mm. And the framework becomes the process and it becomes the product. Um, Additionally, this is something I found really, really significant once I had my own framework. Me as an introvert and somebody who doesn't like to necessarily toot his own trumpet finds it far easier to say, this framework is amazing. Yeah. 
it's far easier to do that than it is to say, I'm amazing. And I'm yeah. sure you'll find the same. I saw your framework, I think it was yesterday or possibly this morning. And it's really good. It In a microsecond, I know how you work. I know what's important to you. I know the journey. I know what this solar system looks like. It's a place I want to go. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I think about it like uh, a lot of bowling alleys have the bumpers that they can put yeah. in a gutter so you can't get a gutter. And I remember being a kid and I bowled a fair amount so I could like, you know, keep it out of the gutters, but we would still get bumpers sometimes just so we could practice, play, throw the ball as hard as we could. And it does bring freedom. I love what you said there. Definitely want to write that down so I can look at it daily because frameworks foster freedom. That is incredible. And it's so true. Something that you mentioned a moment ago was story and stories. They're kind of trendy. Lots of people talk about stories, yeah. but for a lot of entrepreneurs, they're quite intimidating because a story, I remember as a kid being told to write a story and uh oh, now we've got a problem. And there's a completeness to a story. And I think what I liked about your solar system analogy was the story doesn't all have to be told in one sitting. The story is a little bit like each piece of content is the stitch in the tapestry rather than the tapestry. And the, the, the full story emerges by telling all these micro stories over time. As long as each stitch is bringing value, you don't have to worry about the whole picture. There was another thing that I was reminded about with frameworks, which was, what was that? It's vaguely gone out of my head for a moment. Yes. It's a little bit like a map. Sometimes a framework is given the, the kind of roadmap analogy. It's something that I use. And I often use the example of a tourist map that if I was going on holiday to Brazil, I've never been to Brazil. There's just different kinds of maps I could buy. I could buy a geographic map where everything has equal value and equal prominence. Or I could buy a tourist map that will tell me these are the places for me that really matter. Or I could buy a tourist map for single men, tourist map for families, tourist map for women who want to travel safely. They're all kind of be kind of different. And the thing with a good, well to put, put together framework is it doesn't tell me all the places we could go. It just tells me for me, where I need to be, this is the journey we're going to take. I've already mapped out the highlights. This is a safe journey. And at the end, you're going to be a different person. We're going to know exactly who that is. That's why frameworks and that's kind of storytelling of that framework is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening, hit that uh, rewind 30 seconds at a time button about four <laughs> times and listen to all that again. That's so good. So good. Well, it's all about you. It's not about me. Speaking of that, you mentioned that you have your cohort-based training at the moment. And I want to talk about that a little bit because for me, it's really interesting. I think a lot of people are selling courses and it's, it's quite, I'm going to say, trendy a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's building courses. Personally, I have a problem with courses in that I know the statistics are 90-something percent of people who buy courses never complete them. And I love the idea of cohort-based courses because if you ask most people what they value most about you, it's you. It's not necessarily your content. Take you out of your content. All that's left is data. And mm. being able to spend time with you is profoundly valuable. It's the companionship on that journey that the roadmap is mapping out. It's the guide to the solar system. Yeah. You haven't quite launched the cohort-based thing yet, but what was it that led you in that direction? I hope I haven't preempted it too much. No, no. <laughs> it, to be very truthful... And I always like to preface this by saying, like, I'm grateful for all the work I've ever received. I've had some incredible experiences, but there is something to doing, you know, work for bigger companies or freelance work for 
individuals, you know, like CEOs and, and executives of companies and stuff where I get to the end of it. Beautiful person, great work. They've established something great. They look and sound great now. And there's just 1% of me at the end that's like, oh, I wish that would have been more than one person. Mm. The pay is great. The people are great. Not complaining at all. There's just that one part of my soul that's like, oof. And so, you know, cohort courses um, through platforms like Maven and some others have, have definitely rose to prominence over the last five years. And even two years ago, um, coming back out of the pandemic and having switched some things around in my own business, I was seeing it a lot, but I'm like, I can't just jump on a trend for the sake of it. I really need to understand what I'm doing. So the first thing I built was a standalone course that's just kind of like video production 101. If you, if you need the basics, here it is. It's free. You can go learn the basics in a day to at least start to wrap your head around some of these things. And, you know, it, it advanced over time. I'm still doing one-to-one -one work to keep the business, you know, successful and all those things. But I'm wanting to do more one-to-many. You say one-to-many and people get thoughts in their head of, oh, you just want to work on a laptop on a beach somewhere. Or, oh, you, it's a money grab because if you got 10 people paying you, it's more than one. Those things can and most times are not true, but they can be sometimes. But for me, very, very truthfully, it's I want to help more than one person at a time. So I put a ton of research into this before I ever pulled the trigger. And then when it did come time to build, I collaborated with a learning designer who's also a data-driven um, curriculum designer. So someone who builds in front of her community and the way that she gives value back to her community is to build with people like me in front of them. And so I worked with a pro. I worked with a marketing and messaging coach and mentor. I am in some communities with some really successful cohort runners. They're on cohort six, seven, and eight. They make a few hundred thousand dollars a year from them. It's a substantial part of their business. And I'm like, okay, beyond the technical, beyond the curriculum, what should I be looking for? How do I make this awesome for people? And the truth comes out when you talk to great people. It's things like you set the energy. People will teach each other. They're not here solely for you. They're here for each other as well. There's, you know, they want to have a good time too. So don't be afraid to be a little bit silly or it doesn't have to be super rigid. We're not going to college here. Just all these different things that are like, all right, cool. That's the way I work in real life. So I can just be myself and take people through time. And to be honest, you know, I'm a little scared. Um, I've taught in so many capacities film school, one-to-one, -one, of course, paid and free workshops, spoken on stages all over the country. There's something about taking a group of people through time where I'm like, whoo, this, this feels like I got a, a pretty big responsibility here to do this right. So all of those little components boil down to, I really just want to hit that big old number of helping 10,000 entrepreneurs look and sound great on camera. And if I can do it and do it right, I think I can help more and more people as I go. And then they can also feel like they're not alone. Oh, here's nine other entrepreneurs going through this video journey too. And I would imagine there's a part of you that can empathize with having done it alone and figured it out on your own and eventually becoming comfortable to maybe looking at a group and being like, man, that might be kind of cool to be able to get peer feedback and know I'm not alone and build my muscles that way. So trying to be like the CrossFit of gyms where everyone comes together and roots each other on. <laughs> well, I think as well that if you simply buy a course, yes, you'll consume the information, but you won't necessarily engage in transformation. And yeah. when you go through something with a group, and as you said, that element of time with a cohort-based thing, there is a, f a fixed period of time. It's not you just jump in, consume the content, and go. 
but you're going to be there with a group of companions. You're going to have relationships. There's going to be helping other people, help people helping you, people offering you catalyst. Okay, this is how you're going to transform. What you've done there, you maybe need to look at this. Doing that over a period of time is extremely powerful. And for me, that's what's always missing in courses. Yeah. No, I love that. I so agree with that. I'm always very curious in anybody's business, especially when I see they're very competent. Where do you struggle in your business? Which part of it do you look at and go, oh, I feel like a failure there, or I know I really need to improve here? Yeah, I'm a bit of an odd duck in the sense that some of the, the typical things aren't the things I struggle with. So the things I struggle with are generally kind of <laughs> interesting and off the beaten path. And my whole life's kind of been that way. You know, even having the moniker of the entrepreneur came from me pushing back against the status quo and just sick of seeing gurus and everyone calling themselves an entrepreneur. So there's always been a part of me that's kind of rock and roll and kind of, you know, push back against what's going on. So there are things, even as an introvert, like, you know, imposter syndrome and stuff like that, that I, I don't deal with. And that's not me saying, look at me. It's just, it doesn't exist. Uh, me and my brother openly talk about death and my mom hates it. She's like, I hate how comfortable you, you kids are with death, you know. But we're, we're both just kind of that way. It's the way our brains work. So I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of, you know, looking like a, an idiot on camera, any of those things. One of the things that I'm very afraid of is, and I struggle with, is wasting time. And this becomes one of those like good and evil in one type of scenarios. So the older I get, the stronger this fear gets. And I look at something and I'm like, is that a good use of my time? And that sounds smart until you miss a great opportunity because you were scared of wasting time. Yeah, And then it becomes like, oh, I still have to spend enough time to explore this, try and get as much data as I can, or let my gut check it as much as possible, and then make a decision, not just make a snap decision. And so as odd as it sounds, like wasting time is one of my biggest fears. And it's something I actually struggle with every day. It's not just to get the most out of my day. It's to make sure that if I spent time on this, is that beneficial to my family, my business, and to the people I'm trying to help? And sometimes that freezes me up a bit and gets me kind of stuck. So that's definitely one of them. Another thing that has only recently changed for me, and I want to share this because I've been doing this a long, long time. 15 years professionally, dabbled before that. I've been in business for myself for 22 years. So like I've been in some form of this for a long, long time. It's only over the last 18 months where I found my framework. I have my notion template where I just click a button, there's a brand new page, I'm writing an episode, everything's in there and built for me so I get the best start I can get. I'm sticking to a distribution plan, I'm finding consistency, I've rebranded to Video for Entrepreneurs so now no one can read it and wonder what I do. Like, it's only been the last year and a half where I'm finding my stride when it comes to um, who I am, how I face the world, and you know, my place here and, and who it is I'm trying to help. Uh, so that's somewhere where I've struggled because I've been doing this forever. And it's only the last year and a half where I've figured some of these things out for myself. And now I'm preaching them everywhere because I want people to figure it out quicker than I did. And the last little bit of that is this little, like, again, a kind of like analogy that I see in front of my face is like, I've been carrying this brown paper sack lunch to work for a long time. And it does its job. It holds the yogurt and the sandwich and the spoon. It gets to work. It does its job. I've taken everything out of that bag and I've put it in a nice box that says video for entrepreneurs on it. And now I'm getting traction. Now people understand what I do. People who have known me for years are like, now I, I, I really get a sense of what you do. And I'm like, we've known each other five years. You know what I do. 
it never mattered how many times in big, bold letters at the top of my website, I wrote, I help entrepreneurs look and sound great on camera. It was only when the brand resonated and people started to understand that they could easily share that with someone else. Oh, you're struggling with video? Check out this link. Because they didn't have to sit there and explain who I was and what I did. So that's something that um, I still, even though I'm excited and I'm getting there, I still struggle with is having your brand locked down, having your messaging clear. Like you said about the stories being in pieces as a tapestry, knowing that each thing you do can just be one part of your brand. You don't have to tell the whole story every time. That's another area where I've struggled. And hopefully if we talk five years from now, I got most of that stuff locked down. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for your time today. You've been great fun. I've learned a lot. Hopefully my listener has. If people want to connect with you, if they want to go further with you, if they want to find out about the cohort-based training or any of the amazing stuff you've got on your website, I have your script outlines taped to my wall here. Some people have got lead magnets. You have the best lead magnets. But if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, so I try and keep it easy. Uh, Videoforentrepreneurs.com. So hopefully that's easy enough to remember. And of course, I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. And then as far as like social and what I got going on and the latest things, um, I bought the domain (laughs) danhaslinks.com and all my links are on one page. Uh, So if you can remember danhaslinks.com, you can connect with me anywhere. And that also includes my calendar. If you ever want to book a free call just to talk strategy and fun and video or shoot me an email with a question if you have one or you're stuck somewhere. I love helping people. I don't just say that. You'd be surprised how much I offer freely every year and how little amount people actually take advantage of it. So it's often like that. Yeah. And finally, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? I I would definitely have to say something along the lines of professional networking. It's kind of cliche. I think it's an art form. I think it's a lot like being on video. You find your voice, you find your story, you find your way of doing it. The incredible things that have happened over the last two years from professionally networking. Uh, There's websites like Lunch Club where you can just book calls with random entrepreneurs and just talk shop. Joining communities of like-minded people. I'm in six or seven different circle communities. I don't think everyone should be in a bunch, but everyone I'm in serves a purpose for my business. And I just happen to make friends in there, peers, give feedback. I'm in a couple that are really focused on creativity and creators. So I'm able to be like, Hey, built a new landing page. Will you guys poke some holes in it? All of that falls under that umbrella of professional networking. And early on, I don't think it was that I was against it or I didn't want anyone else's opinion. I just didn't know how powerful it was. And then it's something I should be doing. And when I made those first couple connections accidentally, oddly enough at live networking events, I started to realize Oh, you don't have to come to these and sell your stuff. You can come to these and build relationships and later on they'll sell your stuff for you. So professional networking is the thing that I wish I had someone that was like, start there before you build anything. I think as well, there's different perspectives on networking that you can do it the traditional sense where you go to little local events and things like that. The danger with that, as I see it, is it's random. Whereas For example, the conversation we're having just now is actually very intentional. I knew I wanted to speak to you and I get to do that every single week. Joining communities, as you described, where people are there for an intention, they have the growth mindset, they are looking beyond the ordinary. For me, that's really powerful. Yeah. For me, there's, there's networking in the small parochial sense 
And I think that's dangerous for a lot of people. It's this whole thing, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. If you mm. want to do extraordinary things, you need to spend time around extraordinary people. Mic drop. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, I, um, I, I got this little thing I say all the time and I love it because I, I really mean it. I hold my hands up kind of showing a scale up and down, right? And like one hand is business development and that's first place. I, it's what gets me out of bed. It's what excites me making something new or doing something in a slightly better way than yesterday and helping more people. And a very close second place behind that is kind of that sense of a great film where someone's like, Oh, I got a problem. And someone else is like, Oh, don't worry about it. I got a guy. Yeah. I love not just making connections for the sake, making connections that are fruitful. Cause then I feel like a hero. Ooh, you two people needed to know each other. And I made that happen. And now look at what came from it. I, I guard that. I'm very picky about who I introduce to each other. And also I share with people, please be picky as well if you're gonna introduce anyone to me. It doesn't have to turn into business, it's just gotta be a relationship that makes sense. And because that's such a fun thing, for it's like a game to me, and it's a very close second place in my business of things that excite me. I take professional networking really serious, even though it's still fun and I'm building relationships and, and meeting awesome people like yourself. When you take that kind of scope on it, and like you said, you do it with a purpose, man, it's so powerful. And I love the old analogy of, you know, like, be the dumbest person in the room. Like, I literally am constantly trying to do that. Let me get yeah. around some people who are just crushing this so I can figure out how to do it too. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to meet you. And that does bring us to the end of another episode. Thanks to you for listening at home. And if you have enjoyed the show, I would gently encourage you to leave a five-star review. That's five, one, two, three, four, five star review wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with just one person. If you did enjoy the show, then you will love the Personal Brand Business Roadmap. It's a framework. We've been talking about that today. And it's 100% free as a gift from me. It's 30 pages of everything you will need to start, scale, or just fix your expert business. Click or tap the link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap. Thanks, Dan, for your time today. And for you at home, thank you so much. And I'll see you next time.